T-S-N-Y. Hi, folks. Welcome to Yankees Mets Express. Get on the train, maintain that social distance, and stand clear of the closing doors. Uh, Lean, what's going on? How's pandemic life? Starting to lose my mind. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, do, do you watch Brooklyn? Uh, you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine at all? I do not. I don't watch comedy shows. Oh. Don't hate me. Uh, well, Brooklyn Nine Nine is actually really fun, and there's there's one meme going around. There's a scene in the show where Andy Samberg he's trying to interrogate uh, a perp by annoying him. And then at one point, he just starts playing a guitar and going like, ah, ah, the whole time. And I'm uh, I'm at the point now where it's not even the lack of activity that's bothering me. I could stay inside all day. I could stay inside, read, play video games, watch TV all day. Uh, it's the lack of sunlight that's getting to me. Yeah, definitely. The, the lack of sunlight, because I, I can't remember... The last time I remember there being so many consecutive overcast days, I was in middle school. And and it was maybe eight, nine days of just, like, partly cloudy, no sunshine. Mm. It got annoying. Anyway. Uh, yeah. how, anyway, how are you keeping busy? Watching shows, um... I don't know the, the watching the last dance. Oh I guess. yeah, we got, NFL draft. We yeah. we got we got to talk about the last dance for a second now, don't we? Yes. Just, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you're a you're a Nets fan, right? I am. All yeah. right. So we got a Nets fan and a Knicks fan here now. As a Knicks fan, I should hate the nineteen the nineteen nineties Bulls. Mm-hmm, like, of course. No, like no matter how hard we tried, we couldn't. We had no we had no backcourt help. To keep up with Jordan, we are the offense ran through the, ran through Ewing, and mm-hmm. in the meantime, watching all of this, like it, it's hard to hate that team just because they were that good. Yeah, ESPN, I think they've done a great job in in not just telling the story of the ninety seven ninety eight Bulls, but of the Bulls dynasty as a whole, just I'll in terms honest, of how they got my, there. My my expectations for it when like months ago when we first found out that they were doing this, my expectations were incredibly high, and. This has, so far, it's met my expectations, maybe even exceeded it. To go off of what you were saying, I love how, like, they didn't, they're not just talking about the last dance. They're talking about everything. They're specifying, like, talking about specific stories of all the the big players and, like, their origins and everything from day one. I just love everything from top to bottom. I think they're doing an incredible job. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I, when I heard about this. My first thought was like, oh, I mean, everyone knows the story. How, how are you going to put a spin on the story and keep it captivating? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you find out um, how Jordan was competitive with, with uh, one of his brothers. How, right. how the Bulls, before Jordan arrived, they were called a traveling cocaine circus. Yeah. And, and then you find out, and then you find out Scottie Pippen's origin story, which is even, which is even more fascinating. Uh, I've actually been having a lot of fun. Uh, throughout, uh, with uh, the Scottie Pippen bit because I I have an acquaintance bor- like, born and raised in New York uh, Nassau County, Long Island actually uh, grew up a Bulls fan Pippen's his guy and I've been enjoying just pushing his buttons by going ah Pippen's a bum glorified number two 
Couldn't do anything without Jordan. He's getting so mad. It's great. <laughs> Poor dude. Leave him alone. I don't want it. I got nothing else to do. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but no, they've they've they really have been killing it. It's amazing. I'm curious. I mean, people want spoilers, but we're getting a little bit of Kobe Bryant next week, which I am very worried about. Uh, why are you worried about it? I'm probably gonna cry. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean that that that's a given. I mean, if you don't cry at Kobe Bryant, especially now, do you really have a soul? That's true. Of yeah. Course. Um, and I'm also curious: Are they going to talk about the the Jordan conspiracy theory as to why he retired the first time? Oh, my, my brother and I were discussing that last week. Actually, yeah, I wonder if they're gonna. I really hope they do. I, I think. All right. So for for any of our listeners who might be um, who might be unaware, um, rumor has it that when Michael Jordan retired after the 1993 Finals. The story was he wanted to try something new. He wanted to do some baseball. He was sad about his father's murder and, like, very tragic death at that. Um, But there's been a popular conspiracy theory going around that since the Bulls weren't quite at their best to start that series, it was because Michael Jordan went to Atlantic City and gambled all night between games and that his first retirement was actually sort of like a Black Ops NBA suspension. Now that said, they're not like they're not gonna come out and say we're not gonna have interviews with the late David Stern saying it was definitely a suspension. I reprimanded him. I think they're gonna at least touch on it and just say like, yeah, that this happened, but like I I needed to step away. Yeah, I feel like it would um, actually be very incomplete if they don't at least like address it somewhat. I feel yeah. like that would be weird. Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah. this it's the same reason why um la- last night it was the it was the Rodman episode. I mean Bill Simmons apparently said in his podcast today some to the to, to the tune of, oh like why have we pretended for the last twenty five years that Dennis Rodman was actually interesting? And I just wanted to say to him, you know he was he was at least my favorite bull, right? Yeah, right. Like, how, where, where That's is he terrible. Getting? I mean, De- Bill Simmons has kind of gone off the rails for a few years now. I don't, yes. I don't like, I don't, I don't really like to call out other writers unless I absolutely have to. But that's just a plain false statement. Yeah, De- I'm like, I'm kind of taken aback to be honest with you. Why, why he even said that? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the cult hero of the of the Detroit Pistons bad boys teams. Right. Probably what you're talking about a Hall of Famer. Someone who, someone who, despite One of the greatest rebounders of all time, I, I was saying to my wife Caitlin the other night, Lean, when we were watching, Dennis Rodman was six foot six and played like he was seven foot six. Right. Like, yeah. It's yeah. such a killer instinct, just understood. Oh, like just him talking about. Oh, depending on where I heard the ball hit the rim, that's how I positioned myself. But yeah, I, I was literally, I was going to say that, um, I think my favorite part of last night was when he was like going into details about how he analyzed everything and how he would position himself and rebound based on where like the person he was guarding was. That was so cool to me. It was fascinating. Yeah. And you can tell very high basketball IQ. Absolutely. There's, I think five, six episodes left. I cannot wait for the rest at all. This is I mean, I understand that Jordan had a lot of input in putting this documentary together, how they weren't going to do it without his green light, and given how this has the MJ seal of approval, I'm really excited. Yes. I'm really excited. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, but also, we ha- finally have some baseball news. Um, Lean, <laughs> tell, tell us what finally happened last week that we can, even though there's no games going on, we can still talk some baseball. Man... 
These Red Sox. <laughs> oh, boy. The Boston <laughs> Stephen Kings. The Boston Jimmy Fallons. Uh, I'm, look, I, I wasn't expecting the punishment for their sign stealing in 2018 to be anything drastic, but I still thought it would be more than they got. Like, what, what do... So they lost, for fans who may not know the details, they lost their 2020 second round draft pick and their replay operator, JT Watkins, is banned. <laughs> so, like, I don't... I don't, I, I don't know what we gain from this. Who cares that JT Watkins was banned? Who cares that they lost the second round draft pick? I, I just want to know, know, JT Watkins sounds like someone who used to play for the Globetrotters, and yet he's working as a replay operator. <laughs> um, anyway, I... Uh, how do you feel about it? I'm okay with it. Yeah? I am 100% fine with the Red Sox punishment, and here's why. When, because the the Red Sox report came out not long after the Astros punishments were were announced, if I recall correctly, uh, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Dryalik did a great job of explaining how everything worked in Boston and in Houston at that. Um, and everything I've read so far about the Red Sox um, kind of skirting that line, it seems that the entire system relied heavily on a runner reaching second base. Now, granted, that explains why the 2018 Red Sox stole a lot more bases when in, the, when in this age of analytics, steals are going down. Right, yeah. But, and Michael K said the same thing, right, when the story dropped um, initially. I think this was back in January. Mm-hmm. To have a system where you're in the video room and you're watching the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, where you're watching the video, you have the camera trained on the catcher signs, and you decode those signs, get a runner on second base, relay them to him, and then he relays it to the batter, it's gamesmanship. That's been going on for years. The only difference is it's kind of it's kind of like a leg up version of that where, yeah, you're you have that gray area, but it's not like it isn't like what the Astros did where the signals are being transmitted to the batter in real time. It wasn't just a blatant flatting of the rules. It was stretching the rules for sure. But it wasn't... They weren't going out of their way to get an advantage. And apparently other teams have been doing this very practice for a while to the point where I think MLB has said players aren't allowed in the video room anymore during games. Yeah. So the way I see it, there's going, there's always going to be some loud vocal minority of Yankees fans who think the Red Sox should have had the book thrown at them, but there isn't enough to go on. And Manfred has said, like, this wasn't nearly as bad a situation. I didn't have to worry about interviewing players and threaten them with suspension if they didn't cooperate. It It is what it is. The Red Sox, they've already kind of acknowledged that they're tearing the team down, that they're trying to rebuild from the ground up because Dave Dombrowski kind of made an even bigger mess of the payroll than his predecessor Ben Charrington did. But the punishment is what it is, and it's time to move on from it. Plain and simple. What about you? What do you th- What do you think of what happened? I mean, no, what you were saying was um, it is super important that this has been happening for a while. It's just now you have the added benefit of more technology, I guess. Yeah. But, um... I still, I still don't like the punishment. I would have liked a little bit more. 
Um, and I still, yeah, like you said, I understand that it's gamesmanship, etc. But I still don't think, like, I don't think technology should be used in that manner. Um, I still think that MLB should be uh, tighter with, with like rules about that. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world. Like, I'm not gonna make a scene about it, but I don't. I I, I still wish it would have been at least a little bit harsher. Plus, um, Alex Cora. He's, he was already banned for the Astro scandal. So literally, there's just... There was practically no punishment here. I don't know. It's, I mean, not, it's it, not a, a huge deal, though. That's yeah, sure. I mean, how, how how would you have done things differently, though? But I've done things differently. Maybe more draft picks. Losing I can, more draft picks. I can get behind that. Because like, yeah. a, a second-round pick, that's... It's a big loss, but it doesn't really send a message. Now yes. the Red Sox, what they were doing, did it really? Wa- it, I, it's kind of in that weird gray area of yeah, they're they're breaking the rules, but it's more like they're kind of straddling that line, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that if MLB really wanted to send a message, and maybe hindsight being twenty twenty, this is what they should have done. They should have taken away either a second draft pick or you know taken away international signing money. Yeah. 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 That that too. I was gonna add that actually. Yeah. That definitely should have been in there. Right. And I think a lot of it also has to do. They also. I mean, they being Commissioner Rob Manfred and his staff, they probably looked at the. They probably looked at the situation of the Red Sox franchise as a whole, and said, "You know what? Like they're they're already kind of a uh, kind of toning things down." Maybe we don't, maybe this isn't something we absolutely need to consider. Just kind of, you know what, they've learned their lesson. It's not on the Astros scale. And I'm pulling up the report from Manfred right now because he he made it very clear, Alex Cora, like we're only suspending him for the Astros bit. Like this this isn't anything to do with um, with what he did with the Red Sox. He's, we're, yeah, because the exact quote, I find that unlike the Houston Astros 2017 conduct in which players communicated to the batter from the dugout area in real time the precise type of pitch to be thrown, Watkins' conduct by its very nature was far more limited in scope and impact. And that's absolutely right. Yeah. Because it's like we just said, the entire system relied on a base runner. All, yeah. all that this report does, it kind of explains why the Red Sox were so aggressive on the base paths. Right. Either either way, it's it's not going to affect the game later on. Um, but the good news is maybe now with um, all the major states seeing a downturn in Corona, we'll actually see some baseball this year. Yeah, it's definitely um, things have been getting better. The NBA just announced today that they're going to start opening um, facilities for players. Um, sports in general looking good. Hockey, um, they're saying that training camps might begin in early june which is really really good so is the um, wait 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 so is the nhl just kind of like uh call, um calling it on the season or are they are they just not even yeah, gonna finish th- it that's what so i i read this off of a tweet and um it didn't really specify it just kind of said that europe uh, european players who went home after this whole thing started they were getting ready to come back and I don't know if this would be like the season ends, so we're gonna start anew, or like a training camp because they haven't been playing for a while. If you know what I mean, just kind of like a break thing. No, it didn't really specify, so I'm not sure about that. Yeah, and I, and I remember um, ESNY's own Frank Curdo. He's uh, he's our big Rangers writer. He yeah. was he was thinking, oh, with that Capo Caco, he's a type one diabetic. Yeah, Should, is it smart for him to be coming back from Finland? 
Mm-hmm. Um, you... I'm actually, I, I, I completely forgot about that. I, I'm a huge Rangers fan. So, so am I, yeah. I, um, yeah, so I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Kako, and I, I, I'm scared that it'll also affect the mental part of his game. Like, let's say everything resumes, but he's still worried. Like, oh, I'm a diabetic. Like, I, if I get sick, this could end really badly for me. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's too worried about that, because Kako, he's been playing with diabetes for a long time. He knows when he's good to go, when he has to sit down. Yeah. He, I'm, I'm sure that even though he's only, like, 18 or 19, he knows his body. It's just, you know, this is just unprecedented. He might be scared. Yes. Like, I've never dealt with something like this. But I hope right. you're right. I hope he's, you know, he'll feel comfortable enough. Yeah, and I, and I think I saw something how the NBA, they were going to reopen camps on May 1st. But then with the situation kind of dicey, <clears throat> excuse me, down in Georgia, they were um, looking at possibly pushing that back a week. Mm-hmm. So... Right, right. Either way, we're looking at a, we're looking at a minimum of soft reopening in major cities. Um, and I mean, honestly, I, I feel like we're on the right track, though. Like things, at least we're hearing something. There's it's yeah, looking a little bit better. We're so. we're on the right track. I mean, I remember yeah. I remember when MLB um, postponed their season back in mid March. Um, the CDC's eight week mark uh, put it at or about Mother's Day, and we're still about two weeks away from that. Right. So I think right. at that point you'll have now. Now I want to make it very clear: fans are not going to games this year. They should yeah. not go to games. Yeah, people need to get that idea out of their heads. Yeah, like yeah. now, now, granted, the could it, it could be enforced by like make sure everyone's wearing a mask in the stadium, but then like you got you're gonna have to block off certain sections. You're yes. gonna have to limit how many people can sit together. It's a whole mess. So it's, it's, it's honestly not even worth it. Plus, I don't know if fans will want to uh, even go. I don't know if I mentioned this last week. They did a survey about sporting events, and the vast majority of respondents said that they're not comfortable attending any like. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I yeah. think I think it was what what like it was like seventy eighty percent something like that. It was something like that. Yeah, it was it was it was an majority overwhelming majority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, I'm part of that. Like I was telling my parents the other day, I. Like, for at least a year, I don't see myself attending a sporting event, to be completely honest. I, I'm i slowly getting to that as well, yeah. um, for reasons I'm not going to go into on the air, uh, at, yeah. least, at least not yet. Um, but the way I see it... Now, now, I don't know if I mentioned this, Lean. I am convinced that I had coronavirus already. I have a lot of friends who say that. Why? Well, what happened to you? Well, here, here's what happened. I Now, make it very clear, folks. I never experienced any symptoms whatsoever. Like, the only symptoms I have... I have oh, um, is this from the event that you went to? Right, yeah. yeah so, you told us about that. Yes, so, yeah. so quick reminder, folks. March 2nd was my birthday. I went to a show at Barclays Center that night. Sold out. And I, I, was, I was there with two friends. I ran into a friend from high school as well there. Since that day, I went to another party um, a couple weeks later, and then the last major social event I went to was on March 14th. I went to a doctor's appointment at a local hospital on the 16th, and besides that, I have been staying in except for essential trips. Mm-hmm. And none of my friends got sick. Uh, the guy I ran into, he's been fine. So at a minimum, I was exposed. And I ha- and except for seasonal allergies, I felt fine. Now, in concert with that, I don't even if I already had the, had the virus and I recover and I've got the antibodies and everything, I do not want to tempt fate. I do not want to run the risk of, despite being a healthy dude in my thirties, 
I am not going to run the risk of someone not being smart at a baseball stadium. Exactly. There's so much. There's so much. Now, granted, if, if MLB comes out and says, "Hey, here's a plan for for going to stadiums. Everything's fine," and public health health experts agree, will I go? I might, but if the moment I feel uncomfortable, I'm walking out. Right. Of course. And it has to come out to fans. Yeah, it's it sucks not being able to go to a game this year. But just imagine how much sweeter it's going to feel going to one next season. Right. And like, and then like, and actually, this seems like a good time to talk about this because uh, the main the main thing with owners uh, right now is saying, hey, without um without fans in stadiums, players are going to have to take a cut in salary just to, just to offset that cost. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a solution staring us right in the face on this that we're not even talking about. Why not just defer their salaries? Yeah. Pay them the same, just turn it, just like rework their contract so it's deferred money. And they make a certain portion of it this year, the rest is deferred over. Do, do like the Bobby Bonilla deal with the Mets. <laughs> Grant, granted, that kind of blew up on their face, but. but That's defer- a different story, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Deferred I don't money know why is that a thing. hasn't even been like discussed in detail. I mean, I, I'm sure it is being discussed. Or at um, least not, you know, told to the public as a plausible option. My best guess is that. There's good. There's because it's on such a grand scale as opposed to just one or two individual players. Yeah, it probably requires discussing discussing matters to the tune of doing logistical and financial gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And oh god, that that's got to be so frustrating to deal with. Even if you understand it perfectly, just crunching all those numbers, it's not going to be easy. No, of course it's very. It's super complicated. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm interested to see what happens with that. That's gonna be. And not just that. What about TV revenues? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, surely there you got TV revenues. You could broad. You could broadcast games on YouTube for free. Those are ad revenues. There's other ways to make money to offset the cost of attendance. Yeah, of course. I mean, as, honestly, as long as we see some baseball this year, I'll be fine. Literally, at this point, anything. Absolutely anything. I can only play the show for so long, Lean. I can only play the show for so long. Yes. No, agreed, agreed. Yeah. Um, okay, speaking of baseball, let's talk injuries real quick. Sure, I yeah. this last time, but there have been some. There's been progression. Um, yeah. Uh, let, so what? for the Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton is ready to go. Aaron Boone has said repeatedly that if the season were to start right now, yep. he's... Two thumbs up, ready to play. Yeah. Which is really good. We missed him last year. Honestly. Yeah, oh God. Talk about bad luck last year with Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he didn't, he was trying to get on the Yanks Meds Express and he just fell on the tracks instead. Oh, yeah. Like, just, he, fi- he finally gets up off the plat, gets up on the platform, then he trips and he falls back on the tracks. I'm no, making lots was... of train, I'm making lots of train jokes today. <laughs> so. No, no, that was, you're 100% right. That was really, really tough. And I get that he did. Uh, play a little bit in the postseason, and the Yankees' problems were bigger than Giancarlo Stanton. But man, imagine if he played every single game in the playoffs. He may have been able to make a difference because our hitting was not on point. So I don't know. Definitely missed him last year. So it's really nice to hear that he is healthy and ready to go. Hopefully, he won't serve any more IL stints. If we do have a season this year, I think we are going to get an uh, get a season because like Rob Manfred is expressing confidence. Yeah, there is going to be baseball this year. Yeah, and oh, actually speaking of which, I, I forgot to mention this. Um, uh, Cuomo, I think 
very very recently in the past few days he said that he's like he's confident that the Yankees and the Mets are both gonna be able to play like good to go at some point I just want to say like I've ragged on Governor Cuomo a lot for a number of reasons over over his he's in his third term right now I've got to say with coronavirus I think he's done a phenomenal job of keeping it no completely informed. agree like he's not perfect I have my issues with him as well but he's I, I feel like it's like a unanimous thing at this point. He's doing uh, he's doing a good job for sure. Yeah, and he's he's being clear. He's being concise. He's not he's not letting I think it. It's murky. It's very like we're all on the same page, which is great. I mean, Lean. At this point, I'm going to tell you: consider yourself lucky that you live out in, out on Long Island, because as as someone who lives in the city, I've got to witness the pissing contest between Cuomo and Bill De Blasio on a daily oh, yeah. basis. And because like de Blasio saying one thing, Cuomo saying, no, that's not your call to make. And de Blasio is doing it anyway. I mean, de de Blasio was saying, oh, like MSG and the stadium, Barclays, they're going to be closed for months. And now here's Cuomo going, no, no, no. I mean, they're going to be closed to fans, but we're going to, we're going to have sports. Yes. And I honestly, because did we talk last time? Did we talk about the whole tech, um, Florida, Arizona, uh, season? Did we talk about the logistics of that at all? I don't think so. No, All I'm right. pretty sure we did it. So, yeah. there, so uh, ESPN's Jeff Passan, ladies and gentlemen, has put out a report, I think it was two, three weeks ago, yeah. that more or less said baseball was looking at the idea of playing all the games between Florida and Arizona using the spring training sites. I'm going to say right now, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> has, has Rob Manfred ever walked outside in Arizona in the summertime? Has he ever been to Florida outside in the summertime? I'm sure he has. Like, you're going to ask people to play outdoors in that kind of weather while staying inside a hotel otherwise? No, oh, yeah. I mean, there there's so many issues with that plan. And, like, it's, it's pretty clear that even though some players have come out and said that they would do it just because it means they get to play, mm-hmm. a lot of others are not okay with it. They're going to have to be isolated from their families for months. And literally, it's like you said, it's you're either playing or you're quarantined in the hotel. This is... It's not feasible, honestly. Okay, well, being quarantined outside of playing, I think that's just something all the players are going to have to get used to. It's one of those moments where you're like, look, it sucks. This is this is mentally draining. It's exhausting. We can't do what we want to do. We like Part of our freedom is being taken away almost, but it's for the greater good. It's no, but for, at least it's for you're 100% you're right, and this may be this may go on for some time. But if they're if it's not in Arizona and Florida, at least they'll get to be with their families. Like okay, they'll they'll well, quarantine, yeah. but they'll be with their families. Yeah, you know? it, as opposed to quarantining in a hotel room. Right? Uh, remind me, do you listen to R two C two? Occasionally. Yeah, I mean CC Sabati, he's been saying like, bruh, I'm sitting at I'm sitting at home watching TV. I'm great. I, right. I love I love not having a reason to leave. I love having a reason not to leave the house. Right. And I feel that, granted, with so many players, they they want to be active. They like going out. They like going out to eat. They like going to museums or what have you. They got just it just has to be told to them. Yes, this is not ideal under any circumstances, but if we're going to have a season, this is how things have to be just for this year. And it's probably going to be an abbreviated season as it is anyway, right? Of course. Yeah, there's no yeah. way we get... No, I mean, like, I, I hear that they're talking, oh, we'll play into late November, maybe have a neutral site World Series, which, by the way, I think is a fantastic idea. Yeah, I'm cool with that, too. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't been um, it hasn't discussed it hasn't been discussed more recently. 
Because I think I think what you can do, you have obviously this isn't something that's going to be explored wildly, and there's lots of insurance policies that have to be attached to this for reasons that that'll become obvious pretty soon. Uh, split the first four games between the two teams' respective stadiums. Two at one spot, two at the other. Mm-hmm. Games five, six, and seven go to a neutral site. Mm-hmm. And then you stimulate a local economy. You get people yeah. traveling. It's there almost like baseball Super Bowl. Yeah. Wonderful idea. I completely agree. Just Someone needs to give them the green light so they can go ahead with that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, going yeah. back to injuries, though. Giancarlo Stanton, he's pretty much fully recovered. I saw Aaron Judge. His rib is still healing, but he's generally on the right track. Yeah, I was going to say for Judge, um, yeah, he's looking good, which um, which is awesome. Um, yeah, he, if the season were to start right now, he wouldn't be good to go, but on the right track for sure. Paxton is looking great as well. Yeah. Um, he's throwing bullpen, apparently. He's had uh, five bullpens, not, yeah. Yeah, also not, not good to go yet, but he wouldn't need much time at all if the season were to start soon, which is also great yeah Pax I think is that now, now granted I've in all my in all my years of playing ball I never pitched except in, a, in an emergency and even then I was terrible um but I feel with Paxton uh he's it sounds like he's overall recovered from the surgery and now once spring training or or any type of games come back all he's going to need is a couple of bullpen sessions simulated games and he'll be fine Exactly. Actually, I think Boone said that. I think he he said he just needs a couple of simulated games and he'll be fine. Yeah. So that's that's really good. Actually, speaking of Paxton, real quick, I was going to ask you. A lot of people have been talking about it lately. Um, as you know, he's in his last. He's going to be entering his last year. Yeah. Um, of his deal. Do you want to see him in pinstripes again? Um, that obviously depends on a lot of factors. I mean, based off of, um, his close to last season alone, when I think he went 10 and one or 10 and over his last 11 starts, uh, I would love to see him back. I think he's, and then just pitching game five in the ALCS, he, he was just had ice water in his veins, Oh yeah. pitched a very important game after being streaky all year and in the playoffs. I would love to see Paxton come back, but obviously that depends on how guys like Clark Schmidt are doing. Is Mike King good to go? Maybe Davey Garcia is ready to take ready to take that next step. And Paxton, of course, has to pitch well. Because if Paxton if Paxton all of a sudden pulls an AJ Burnett, then I'm like, okay, great, oh let him walk. And uh, the same goes for Tanaka. His contract's up too. Now, granted, right. Tanaka's not making twenty million a year next year. I'll say that right now. Yeah. Um, but I think that he and the Yankees have enough of an understanding and respect for each other that I, I think he's almost going to pull a CC. And that he doesn't really want to go anywhere else. Yeah. So, um, what what about you? Do you want to see a you want to see Paxton yeah, come back? So for so for Paxton, I guess we'll talk about Tanaka too. Um, for Paxton, I'll be honest with you. Um, unless he's willing to to take a major pay cut, I don't necessarily want to see him on the Yankees. Well, how much is how much is Paxton making this year? Mm. Here, let, let me pull it up right now. I'm. I'm pulling yeah. that up right now because pa- I'm pretty sure he's making less than ten million this year. Oh no, he's making twelve and a half million. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now, granted, if Paxton pitches the lights out and is going to command ace money, then obviously we have to let him walk. It's unless he's willing to take a hometown discount. Yeah, I um, I exactly. Um, but also, 
So I've had issues with Paxton for a while, even before he actually like started playing for the Yankees. Dude is made of glass. Like I really don't like his injury history, and he's not getting any younger. So I think it's gonna get worse. And the Yankees have enough health problems as is. I can re- so, I can definitely respect that. Uh, the, I guess the difference is, unlike other pitchers, like let's say, we'll unfortunately have to throw Luis Severino in this category. Yeah, um, we'll throw. Um, oh God, I see him right in front of me. Well, the name will come back to me. E- either way. Paxton isn't like those guys where the injuries have devastating long-term effects. These are just, his injuries are more inconveniences. Yeah. Just various bumps and bruises, which are a concern because like, because if I have a pitcher who I know for a fact, he's going to be gone two to three weeks a year uh, because of an injury. That's, that's going to affect the price. Those have been his issues with the Yankees, with the Mariners. He had some like pretty bad injuries. They, they would take him out for, like longer stretches of time and like i said my thing is that he's not exactly young so i'm scared these injuries are going to become more frequent and are going to get worse yeah that's my that's my concern he's an over 30 velocity guy with a with a curve Uh, it's one of those things where you just have to monitor him um the good news is paxton is he's a very lean guy He's, yeah. he's like on the skinnier side, so that's probably going to help him out. That's true. That's uh, Tanaka, we all know people have been saying, oh, his elbow's a time bomb, but he's pitched past it. You know, like, I'm usually the person who gets worried about these kinds of things, but, like, Tanaka's elbow really hasn't been a problem. Right. And so far for me, I, I'll i take it. And I do, Tanaka, I definitely want to see uh, in pinstripes in the future. Um homegrown like you were talking about he might not want to go anywhere else to begin with yeah um he's become a fan favorite he's one of my favorite yankees and okay he's not like your number one pitcher during the regular season but oh my the postseason he's he's a monster yeah and there are no words to describe how good he is in the playoffs masahiro tanaka is andy pettit good when it comes to the playoffs That's why that's why I like him so much. Andy Pettit is my favorite athlete of all time. And really? Tanaka, yes. And Tanaka in the playoffs reminds me so much of him and just always brings a smile to my face when I see him take them out in the playoffs. I feel like I'm watching Andy again. Yeah, it's it's, it's like a- Andy plus Rivera just because he's got that killer instinct. He's not going to let anyone mess of with course. him. Of course. Yeah. yeah he, he, no, I, I really don't want Tanaka to go anywhere. I, I hope he retires a Yankee, honestly. Me too. Me too. Yeah. It, he's great. Uh, I, I I remember when he signed. Uh, I was still the. I can't remember whether it was before or after Robinson Robinson Cano went to Seattle, but I woke up. Um, let's say seven eight o'clock in the morning one particular day, and um, I look at my phone just to clear some messages, see what happened. First thing I see is um, a, is a notification from Bleacher Report team stream saying Yankees agree with with uh, Masahiro Tanaka on this contract, and I just went yeah, like, just like woke up my woke up my poor wife who I think worked till two a.m. in a restaurant the night before. Uh, we weren't married then, and she's like, "What happened? What happened?" I told her, and she just looked at me, put her head right back on the pillow. <laughs> this was before she was a Yankees fan. Poor woman. <laughs> she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> no, but he, he was definitely worth the scream, though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, speaking great. of screams, uh, let's talk about the NFL draft. Specifically, you were you and I were texting most of the night. Oh, yeah. Lean, your brother is not a happy camper. <laughs> 
So. <laughs> now, 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 remind me, what's, what's your brother's name again? Safe. Safe is not a happy camper. He has seen some better days for sure. Actually, actually, I will say this. So, yeah, my brother uh, is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Don't that was, that, 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 that was his first mistake, but okay. No, that was his first mistake. I tell him that all the time. Anyway, big, big Eagles fan. Um, he got his ring. You know, he's been a happy camper lately. I'm yep. happy for him. Yep. Especially he's a, he's a Mets fan and like a Rangers fan and Knicks fan. So his life hasn't been great with regards to sports. But, yeah. you know, he got, his, he got his Super Bowl. Everything's been good for him lately. Um, and then the draft happened. Um, <laughs> his reaction, I mean, I tried to record him. It was, it, he wouldn't let me. He was not, not happy at all. Um <laughs> He, he, we would like change the subject, and then he turned to me and be like, "Why did we draft Jalen Hurts?" Like he was, he just he didn't understand it, and I just every move would be the opposite of what he expected them to make. However, if you ask him now, he's actually because the Eagles did end up drafting a little bit better as the draft. Yeah, they they had a they had a very good day three. Yes, yes, definitely. In the later rounds, they looked much better. So he's calmed down a bit. But um, I don't know. As a Giants fan, I'm very – and they're in our division, so I'm very happy by the way they drafted. I'm not complaining at all, especially since the Giants had pretty decent draft, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I just want, I just want to point out, because um, I, I was in a draft pool just trying to predict – trying to um, predict um, who was going to go where. And uh, I did quite well. I finished in third place out of, like, eight people. Yeah, you did well. You were telling me. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I – the first eight picks I nailed. I, I, I had Isaiah Simmons absolutely falling to the Cardinals. I was the only one in the pool who had Andrew Thomas going to the Giants. That's so strange. I feel like more people would have had that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, well, all, all the scouts were saying Tristan Wirfs was the best tackle yeah. in the draft, but based on what I've heard about Andrew Thomas since then, it sounds like this was a culture pick. Because yes. uh, Colin Cowherd had a, apparently had lunch very recently. With a um, with a former teammate of Thomas, and this teammate could not say enough good things about him. Right. He's a born leader, great great positive presence, which is what Daniel Jones needs right now. He needs a tackle who he knows is going to have his back. No, that's so true, and I definitely feel like the Giants took that into account primarily because our offense uh, they're inexperienced and young for the most part. Like, I feel like other than Golden Tate, you don't have much. And then the, the older players that you do have on the offense, they're really, they're not yeah. good. Like, I, I'm sorry, I do not want Nate Solder trying to help out Daniel Jones. Let, like, no. Let's make one thing clear about the Giants. The Giants, for the next two years, the roster is going to look rough only because Joe Judge has to clear out all of Pat Shermer, Ben McAdoo, and Tom Coughlin's guys and get his guys in there. And probably when push comes to shove, uh, Joe Judge is going to outlast Dave Gettleman. Yes. At least he should. Even though, even though Gettleman, I, I don't like Gettleman in the slightest. He is by far my least favorite GM of all of my teams. But um, I will say that he had an excellent draft. He, he did really a great did. job for the most part. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. I think that Joe Judge is going to outlast him. And even though we haven't really seen, um, we haven't seen Judge do anything yet, like in game. Um, he has a great attitude so far, and I'm convinced that he's going to be a very good coach. 
So, yeah. I, I think, don't, don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. I really don't. I'm reserving jo- reserving judgment on Joe Judge. There's a tongue twister right there. Sheesh. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to reserve judgment on the guy, if only because it was such an out-there hire. Yeah. There were so many more obvious candidates out there. All lots of other, you know, like offensive and defensive coordinators, coaches who hadn't been around in a minute. Right. Yeah, um, no one expected this. For yeah, sure. but yeah. Joe Judge. I mean, uh, the connection to Belichick is a good thing. It makes me a yeah. little. It makes me a little concerned that there's going to be a power struggle, and then the Giants will fall and fall down the Patriots hole of drafting guys who just kind of blend into the system as opposed to make an impact. But yeah, Gettleman, Gettleman's picks. Andrew Thomas, great offensive tackle who's going to protect Daniel Jones. Xavier McKinney, who I cannot say enough good things about. A steal. An absolute, absolute steal. Absolute steal. I had him going on day one. I think that once he ups his confidence, he's going to be one of the most devastating safeties in the game. Uh, round three, who, who did the Giants take round? Matt Pert, the Matt, offensive tackle. Another, another great another great pick. So now you got, he, Pert's going to need some time, but yeah. I'm cool with it. He looks like he has promising future yeah and even the jets had a really good draft like almost oh yeah no the jets they the, did the, a great both, i was congratulating my friends who were jets fans they did a great job new both, york drafted well both jets and giants had uncharacteristically good drafts yes i mean this was the state of new york yeah we we definitely both uh, fans of both teams were united yeah, this week i i i had well. been calling mckay backed into the jets for months um, I, I, I was saying to, um, I was saying to a friend of mine who, who's also an Eagles fan, oddly enough, I said, if Makai Becton is available for the Jets at 11 and they take a receiver over him, they're fools, mm-hmm. plain and simple. I mean, I mean, his weight's a little bit of a concern, but he's just so big Definitely. and str- he's just so big and strong aside from that. I think he ran almost a sub five forty at the combine. Yeah. And then later on, the Jets, they got Denzel Mims, who, again, a project player, but I think on the whole, he's going to be fine. Um, he looks promising. I'm expecting pretty big things from him. And they needed a wide receiver. The so. problem with the Mims pick is that, at least in my opinion, it's very hard to trust receivers from the Big 12 in, on the NFL mm-hmm. level. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah, if only because it's it's such spread offense. Uh, the defense relies more on speed as opposed to you know, shutting guys down. Right. Um, and Mims, there's some concerns about his hands, but that can be fixed with coaching. And if there's one thing Adam Gase does for the rest of his faults, it's develop offenses. Ashton Davis, whether you're playing play him at a at safety or corner, I think he's gonna do excellently. Yeah, he's a versatile one, that's you. That's I got I can't say enough good things about Javari Zuniga. Mm-hmm. And my Baltimore Ravens, though. Yeah. Oh my God! I have killed it. I'm so happy with this draft. Killed it. Yeah. Like, granted, Patrick Queen wasn't my first choice. I was. I was really hoping Kenneth Murray would fall to us, and then we would have traded up. But it, it sounds like, just from watching this draft, DaCosta had a plan. Eric DaCosta, the GM of the Ravens, and John Harbaugh were working together, and they had a plan. They they got some linebackers, and oh God, Malik Harrison. Oh yes. oh my. You know what, uh, Lean? You're a Buckeye. Tell us about Malik Man, Harrison a little bit. You took, yeah, you got all my Buckeyes, my favorite ones too. Malik Harrison is great, very, very underrated. I'll tell you that. 
Yeah, right I'm seeing yeah. that he, he's got a great downhill game. He could be a pass rusher. He can work in coverage. He can do everything. I can't even tell you how many. I watch Ohio State every single week. I can't tell you how many big plays in every game he made. Like you always hear his name at least maybe twice every single game. How is it? He's he's crucial in any defense that he plays. You're not ready. You're very lucky. And my guy J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins, it took me a while to warm up to that pick. I, I remember I texted you initially. I was like, I oh. I was Your like, reaction I, was making me so angry. I like, appreciate I, the greatness that is J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I hate this pick. I hate this pick so much. <laughs> if only because, like, running back was not a major need. But then I remembered, oh, Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, they're, yeah. their contracts are up. Um, and Dobbins, I watched some tape on him. He's definitely got some legs. Yes, he's sir. he's a he's a little he's a little smaller than I would have liked a little little yeah. slim for a running back. He's a small guy. Yeah. yeah um, but he still runs north south great. If he can improve as a receiver, especially in the Lamar Jackson offense, I think. that is that is definitely um, his his biggest weakness, and it's not close. Is his receiving game? He drops the ball a little too many times. But um, no, but other than I think he'll improve. Um, yeah, know, the the best way for Dobbins to improve his receiving game, especially with Lamar Jackson as his, as his quarterback, if you're gonna have him catch a pass, only throw him a screen. Don't ask him. To, don't ask him to run any routes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I uh, don't think he would be a good route running receiver. Devin Duvernay is though. Sorry. Devin Duvernay. Oh. Oh God, Because like, I've been saying for a while the Ra- the Ravens have needed um, a better receiver. Love yes. Hollywood Brown, but he's small and he was hurt a lot last year. Yeah. Miles Boykin needs to learn how to extend his arms. Willie Sneed, he's mm-hmm. well, he's Willie Sneed. Um, <laughs> but you got Devin Duvernay, James Proch Proche from SMU. I can't. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but uh, I should look. I should look that up. Yeah. Um, but two underrated receivers, one of whom in Duvernay, who could be an immediate impact player in the slot. Yes, yeah. And this is this is the Ravens going. You know what? We are we're going to stick to our power running team. We're going to do some more conservative. Um, we're going to do some more receiving routes uh, on the conservative side, just so Lamar can keep developing. It's. It's the frustrating thing about John Harbaugh's offense, but given the talent that he has compared to what he had when Joe Flacco was under center, right. it's it's like night and day. No, no, of course. Yeah, and yeah. we'll close out with this. Um, this isn't, because uh, folks, I'll say this right now. This hasn't been a very Yankees or Mets-centric episode, <laughs> if only because, um, except for uh, Tommy Canely and Jeff McNeil doing the MLB The Show tournament, oh, yeah. which is very entertaining <laughs> if you haven't seen that. There has not been a lot of baseball stuff going on, so this is a football episode. Yeah. Anyway, um, Lean, what did you think about the, this is what we're going to close on, the Green Bay Packers trading up to take Jordan Love? I, okay, <laughs> I wasn't as surprised as a lot of people were because I had read a lot of stuff that they might take a quarterback. Um, I don't know what this means for Aaron Rodgers. You and I were texting about this. Um it could mean that they they want him to go, but if it's a, a question of if he still has it, um, I think he could play for years to go, like in the future. I don't think he's gonna lose it anytime soon, but I don't know. It's it's definitely gonna be an interesting situation to keep an eye on. What about you? Um, that's a very good question because I have been a very vocal critic of Aaron Rodgers of the past couple of years, especially last year. 
Excuse me. In what sense? Well, you'll probably recall, I think it was last summer, that Tyler Dunn from Bleach Report wrote this scathing expose on the Packers. Mm-hmm. It was, excuse me, I'm, I'm having some water. I'm a little burpy right now. Um, it, it called out Aaron Rodgers for being moody, for not building relationships with players. It called out Mike McCarthy for essentially not coaching. Just kind of mm-hmm. like letting letting the team, letting the, the players do their own thing. And that's why he was let go, ultimately. Um, one thing I saw last year with the Packers, because uh, I watch a lot of college football, same as you. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay. He's got Devontae Adams. He's got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who, while he's still developing, he's a decent receiver. He adds, yeah. he adds length to the offense. He should be utilized more. He's, he's, a good, he's a good red zone guy. And yet, oh, and he has, he has Jimmy Graham, too, who even though, if he's not, even though he's not playing in the Saints offense, he's still a decent receiver. Yes, yeah. And what I saw last year between Rodgers relying too much on Devontae Adams, and when Devontae Adams was hurt, he was pretty much checking down to the running backs. It's clear to me that Aaron Rodgers either does not trust his current crop of receivers, or he just kind of expects them to get on the same page as him. Yeah. And I said, just watch. If if that's indeed the case, Matt LaFleur is not going to like it, and he might look for a new quarterback. And then... About a month after the Super Bowl, Colin Coward was talking about the NFL draft order and said, hey, like, don't be surprised if Green Bay trades up to take a quarterback. And he's pretty plugged into the Packers, so I didn't, so I figured he wasn't just blowing smoke. And then sure enough, what happens? The Packers trade yeah. up to take a guy who isn't going to play for a couple of years. Yeah. Jordan Love is very talented, but he's at least two years away from being a starter. And is the next Aaron Rodgers going to have to take a back seat for some time? Uh, you're half right on that um, because I, I forget which show this was. Maybe it was Coward again because I watch way too much Colin Coward. Um, he, Coward made the yeah I think it was Coward or maybe it was uh, maybe it was Whitlock and Wiley. Either way, the point was made that when Aaron Rodgers fell in the 2005 draft, that was a steal. Like people were expecting him to be a top ten pick, maybe number of one course, overall. Of course, yeah, yeah. That's... Jordan Love was never projected as a day one pick. At least oh, not. That's not. No, no. I just meant like he's the next Aaron Rodgers in the sense that he's gonna have to sit. That's right. All that I yeah. Mean. I'm not talking talent wise at oh, all. Oh yes, Rodgers is one of the greatest. Yes, so, you are 100 yeah. correct in yeah. that in that regard. Yeah. Um, but Cowherd today, because we're recording this, ladies and gentlemen, on Monday, April 27th, uh, Cowherd today said the Packers like drafting Jordan Love. That was them saying pretty much saying to Rodgers, no, 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 the receivers are fine. Like, yeah. it's on you. And uh, and the point was also made that Russell Wilson does more with less. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did a lot more with less. So it's pretty much them saying, Aaron Rodgers, we don't need you to be Patrick Mahomes. We need you to just a dink and dunk the ball because that's the offense we want to run. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know quite know what the situation with this contract is, but I think that maybe after a year, maybe two, he'll be ready to move on from Green Bay. Maybe a trade to the Rams uh, once they're off the hook for all of Jared Goff's money. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That maybe they just um, they took love because they're just waiting for him to finish out his contract and they don't want to bring him back. Maybe he won't want to come back. And that's it. They'll have their next quarterback good to go. And especially because love now has some time to like, you know, play behind Rodgers and learn from him, learn from one of the greatest, so, you know. <sighs> That's the really thing. Hurt. Is Rodgers even going to be willing to, to teach him? 
Because he's introverted, he's moody. Yeah, that's gonna, yeah, he has a bad attitude. I mean, I don't like the guy. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, but... I'm no fan of the Packers regardless. Right. But yeah. the way that Aaron Rodgers has conducted himself in recent years, especially last year. I mean, last year when, when Devontae Adams went down, and, and part of this was because I had Valdez Scantling on my fantasy team. I uh, did too, yeah. Yeah, big mistake. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking, sorry. you've got Alan Lazard. You've got Geronimo Allison. You've got Jimmy Graham. You've got Marcus Scantling. They're not putting on the Packers uniform every Sunday just because they think they look pretty in it. They are putting that uniform on to play. They are putting that uniform on to win, to be part of a team. And Rodgers won't let them, it seems. Mm -hmm. He's like, because I'm a creature of habit. I own that. If I have to deviate from my routine, it, it makes me anxious. I'm not a fan of it. I complain a little bit. But Rodgers, he knows what game he's playing. He knows what it requires. Yeah. You, he can't just expect his team to draft receivers and then have them learn the offense on their own through the coaching of staff. Of course. Yeah. I mean, the higher, Greg Jennings says all the time, the hierarchy is coach and quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Rodgers, he doesn't have any interest in leading, it seems. Yeah, at, at least yeah, not vocally, at least. Hard to disagree with that, yeah. Yeah, and, and I got some... It's going to be definitely a very interesting uh, situation to follow, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and like... It's intriguing. I have some Packers fan friends who will who will want to eviscerate me for saying that, will want to string me up and hang me from the flagpole. But <laughs> the coaching staff... Uh, but just go back to the, the article I mentioned from last year where it pretty much was that it blew down all the walls and the doors and showed, hey... Green Bay's kind of a mess, and they called out Rodgers. And and Packers management was like, eh, that's one article, it's fine. Whereas, right. whereas if there were... I remember there was an article somewhere about how some teammates were critical of Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And and then it was clear some play, some players were, uh, were the ones making the criticisms. And next thing you know, those players suddenly weren't on the team anymore. Right. The front office said, oh, you know what? No, Russell's our guy. This is how right. we're doing it. Yeah, right. Russell's the guy. If you're not going to get on board with him, get out. Mm-hmm. And I feel with Rodgers, the fact that the organization didn't jump to his defense immediately. Mm-hmm. What more That's information? something, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it shows you what it, what Rodgers thinks about Green Bay. It shows you what the, what the city probably thinks of him. It shows you what the front office thinks of him. The guy has the California boy has worn out his welcome, mm-hmm. and hopefully the exit is uh is not as messy as Brett Favre's was when he went to the Jets. Oh yeah, actually I kind of want it to be messy. It'll be fun for us. <laughs> yeah, for the for the Rogers haters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't care. Yeah, now we get to focus towards the NBA draft, and hopefully, oh, the, yeah. and hopefully the Knicks take a point guard. I mean. <laughs> You guys are a mess. I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at least at least, know, at least we didn't give a ma- at least we didn't give a max contract to someone who's out for the season. All right, two guys who are now out for the season. And Josh, let's calm down, okay? I'm, you, I, I'm just I'm just saying there's a right and a wrong way to spend money. I didn't know you back then, but I I bet you were dying for just one of Kyrie or KD to come to the Knicks. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have said no. Uh huh. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Knicks fan. I'll take anything at this point. I'm so desperate. That's, that's also a good point. That's fair. Yeah. It's okay. I don't, I don't hate you guys. I just, I pity you. You know, it's, it's. Uh, I'll say this much. I went to the first, yeah. I went to the first ever Knicks-Nets game at, um, at Barclays 2012. Mm-hmm. And 
I've got to say, some Nets fans, present company excluded, need to be slapped across the face. Because it was, it was, an, my friend. it was an overtime loss for the Knicks, and this one guy like in a in a Nets in a Nets hat and jersey that he probably bought that day started talking <laughs> trash, and so I look at him and go, "Oh, you're a Nets fan? Yeah, yeah, my whole life. Great. Who's Derek Coleman? Uh, he's our sixth man. Okay, moving on. Who's Drazen Petrovic? I think he owns the team. Drazen Petrovic had been dead for twenty years at this point. No, so." <laughs> Get your house in order, Lean. Get the bandwagoners in line. I don't claim them. No, you, you think I approve of them too? The very few Nets games that I've been to, it's just like yuppies who just sit there. They don't even wear any gear. They just sit there and just like, you know, politely clap. It's awful. Very quiet. Also, this is going to be an unpopular opinion. Barclays is a rough venue for sports. Especially oh, hockey. No, 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 no. That's not... I, I, no, no. Every person I know who's been to Barclays, I think, has said that. Cause what, so, like, it's also a maze. Like, it's just, I don't know, there's so many things wrong with it. I mean, I've never gotten lost in Barclays, but... Um, but, yeah, definitely for... Because um, I, I remember one friend went for an Islanders game when they were still playing there and said, oh, like, the scoreboard made it an obstructed view. Mm-hmm. I, uh, when I was uh, when I was there for the Knicks-Nets game, um, I was up in the nosebleeds and behind one of the baskets, and it was just kind of hard to see shots if they were going in, going out. No, it's funny she said that. I um, I remember this one. Uh, we went to uh, my friend and I went to Rangers Islanders game at Barclays, uh, like last year I think. Mm-hmm. And same exact issue. We were wondering why our tickets were so cheap. Then we immediately found out obstructed view. We had to stand up like to see what was happening and like peer our head around our heads around. It was, it was tough. Yeah, Barclays isn't isn't the best. It's pretty though. I'll say that. Yeah, Bar- um, I've been to Barclays for a bunch of stuff. I've been, I've been to Barclays for concerts. I've been there for uh, pro wrestling shows. Because deep down, even though I'm in my thirties, I'm still a teenager. Um, <laughs> but um, for wrestling and concerts, it's actually a really good arena. They always. Oh, really? I've they... never been to either at Barclays, so I wouldn't know. I've or... been I've been to a few WWE shows at Barclays, and the crowd is very active and engaged. Yeah. Um, for a concert, I mean, the the one concert I went to there wasn't very good last summer, yeah. and that's just because the band the band's getting very old. Uh, I'll tell you about that off the air because that's a very embarrassing story. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so. Um, the concert in any arena, because like, the atmosphere at Barclays was great, just in terms of how they set the stage up, how they had like just the general con- concert infrastructure, that I had no problem with. The show I did, but that's not the arena's fault. <laughs> uh, either way, um, it's kind of getting up there in terms of enjoyable experience. I think it's got great snacks, great merch. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine is actually... I, I can't go into too many details, but a, fr- a friend of mine has actually been seeing one of the trainers on the Nets... And uh, oh, really? and uh, and had some stories. I got to keep them anonymous for for obvious reasons. <laughs> but uh, that's funny. But anyway, uh, Lena, have we covered everything for today? Did I miss anything? No, I, I think we're good. We're yeah, good. Like you said, not much has been happening, especially in the baseball world, unfortunately. So. Yeah, but still another another good session here. Uh, despite the pandemic, we're going to be keeping uh, trying to get episodes out to you weekly, folks. And, um, Lean, why don't you go ahead and give out your, uh, your social media information so people can follow you, read your stuff, and all that? My Twitter is lean.amin. L-E-E-N dot A-M-I-N. Yep, and you can find me on Twitter at Josh B E S N Y. want to give a special thanks to uh, Crossing Broad and Elite Sports NY for sponsoring the show. 
Elite Sports NY, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports. And uh, Lee, you got anything else to add? Nope. I hope everyone stays safe, and we'll see you guys very soon. Stay safe, folks, and most important, stand clear of the closing doors.